I want to read a very familiar passage of scripture. As you well know, for the month of December, I've been focusing on Advent passages and Advent understanding uh, because it's truly an adventure um, that we're on every year that we approach uh, the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and not only the expectation and the advent of the of Jesus coming to this earth, but we as believers are excited and are anticipating the second advent of Jesus. So um, I just I just love to do this every year to just focus in on these advent passages and Today is no exception. I want to focus on a very familiar passage of scripture, and I want to read that to you. It's Isaiah 9, chapter 6, uh, verse 9, I mean, verse uh, chapter 9, verse 6. Sorry about that. Let me get my head rolling this morning. Might need a little bit of coffee today to uh, get things going. Uh, Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. These are familiar words. I'm sure that many of you, if not all, could probably quote that passage of scripture. We just have become so familiar with Isaiah's a prophetic word that uh, a child would be born, he would be given to us today, and the government would be on his shoulders. And he has an incredible, he, four names that he's given, and he's been given these names, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And uh, my goodness, that is a um, incredible a uh, group of names that Jesus would be called. And so these are familiar words. They're sacred words. And they're so familiar to you and to me that at times, if we're not careful, we begin to lose the meaning of this passage of Scripture because of the familiarity. It's an incredible thing. And so the question today that I'm going to pose to you and pose to me and pose to us as a group together is simply this. How do we, how do we increase the uh, sacredness of Christmas? Good morning, Cheryl. My goodness, blessings to you. Long time. Glad you're uh, watching with us this morning. I'm in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. So the question is, how do we, um, how do we increase the sacredness of Christmas? How, how are we when we're surrounded by a hundred or thousands of diff different messages that dilute the message of Christmas? How do we um, continually increase the sacredness of Christmas? How do we, as believers, increase sacredness during this time of season? How do we make Christmas the Christmas message much bigger than it is right now? How do we go beyond the uh, the, the deluding messages of our culture and of our day, especially in the Western culture, and how do we make this a greater message? And, and I think the only way that we can do it is simply that we have to live in this story. We can't talk about this story. We can't read about this story. We have to live in the story 
And the unfortunate thing in the Western culture is this is really, really a difficult task. This is really a difficult call for you and me to really live in this story because the truth is that familiarity breeds unfamiliarity. And so when you get so familiar with something, it becomes like wallpaper. You just you just at times don't even notice it anymore. You you don't even notice it because it's so familiar to it and it ceases to really penetrate your heart and penetrate your mind and and instead uh, it's just this well-worn path, this track that you've been over, over and over and over again and it's the Christmas story. And I'm sure that all of us are understanding what I'm trying to say and so it's a difficult thing, it's no small task for us to be uh, really uh, dial our minds and our hearts in again and say, God, what do you wanna say to me? What do you wanna say to us corporately at this Christmas season? What is it, what's the message you're trying to relate to each and every one of us? And so to understand the full power and potency of Christmas, you have to really understand the context of, uh, of, of this event and what's happening in this culture, in this time, and in this event. And so I thought about it. And so imagine trying to understand Gandhi without the understanding what was happening in the British British government and, and what was happening with the poor and oppressed in India. Um, if you didn't understand that context, you would look at Gandhi and you just look at a man who, who maybe simply liked to make his own clothes. And uh, imagine trying to understand Mandela and uh, the con content of of what he and context of what he's enduring because you have to understand apartheid in Africa to understand why Mandela made the decisions that he did um, not only personally but politically and or even trying to understand Martin Luther King and, and w without us understanding the issue of racism the issue of injustice the in issue of segregation we wouldn't understand um, the I have a dream kind of message that he gives without understanding the context of the world in which he lived in. And so it's, un un it's impossible for us to understand what's really going on in this story, in the Christmas story, without context. So we need a little context. And so I'm going to give that to you this morning. Um, one of the things that you have to understand is an iconic song like Silent Night, Holy Night, all is calm, all is bright, can lure us into this simplistic understanding of what might be going on in the day. And um, so we have this one dimensional understanding of what's happening and we really need to get beyond that. So let's talk about the Roman Empire for a second. Rome was powerful is the most powerful empire in all of the world and they essentially believe this is their belief system that they ascended to power that they would be the ones who would usher in world peace of that day and it was not just world peace but it was eternal world peace the roman prophets the roman poets of the day believed that 
a ruler from Rome would come and usher in this unprecedented eternal era of peace. And that's what the Romans believed. That's what they stood upon. And so when the Romans soldiers were enforcing their rule and their impression on everybody else, they believed that they uh, that this was what they were supposed to do because this is what they were called to do. They believed that they were the chosen ones to rule the world, and so they conquered the world, they ruled the world, and they oppressed all different kinds of people, and they oppressed even the Jews. And so the, Ro the Romans ruled with military power, they ruled with economic power, they they had political power, they had ideological power. That, that means that even the way of life for people in the Roman Empire was played out. Even the way that people live, the Romans said that this is how you're supposed to interpret the day. This is how you're supposed to interpret life in the context of understanding the power of Rome. And they would talk about Caesar um, as God or as the son of God. And into this kind of context, into this kind of, of oppressive rule, um, we have the Jews. We have the chosen people of God. And the Jews were waiting for a military leader. That's what they were waiting for. We all understand this. We know it. It's simple. The Jews were waiting for this military leader. They were waiting for someone to rise up, someone like a William Wallace. They were waiting for a man to come and, and lead a revolt that would overthrow the power of Rome. And they had a clear picture of that already because 166 years before Christ, there was a Jewish leader and his name was Judas Maccabus. And Judas Maccabus was known throughout history. He was known and called the hammer. And he led a revolt 166 years before Christ was born. And the Jews actually overthrew the Romans at that time. They took uh, the temple back in Jerusalem. They took it back. They restored it. They dedicated it back to God. And, and Jews still celebrate this event today. It's what we know as Hanukkah. And so Judas Maccabus was leading, uh, leading what is known as the Maccabean Revolt. And if you've studied history, you might be familiar with a little of that. And, and so uh, from that recent history, the Jews knew that the Messiah was going to come. They read all about it in Isaiah. They knew that someone was going to come, and they imagined this person that was going to come in the form of a military leader, and he would lead this revolt that would that would overthrow and be an eternal revolt. And when the Roman army and the Roman officials were persecuting and uh, persecuting and oppressing the Jews, the Jews would be like, just wait, just wait. Man, there's somebody coming. There's somebody maybe like Judas Maccabus, like the hammer that's gonna come and overthrow you. Someone's going to come. And so just in, enjoy right now the power that you have because someone's going to come soon and they're going to be a military movement and they're gonna overthrow you in power. Enjoy it because somebody's on the way. It was an era of, of tremendous conflict and tremendous unrest and into this conflict and into this unrest comes the nativity. 
It doesn't make sense. The nativity often leads us to believe that this was some gentle and peaceful time, but it was a frightening time. It was a difficult time. Mary and Joseph feared for their life. Un unwanted preg pregnancies, as we realize, were, were, were punishable by death in that day. Mary and jo Joseph lived in fear for their lives. They weren't married. They were just overwhelmed kids filling, uh, filling in this way, way over their heads. I mean, they were walking into Bethlehem and, and, and can you imagine the conversation that were, they were having? It's an unbelievable conversation. They, they, they would probably be saying things like, are we crazy? I mean, an angel appeared to us, really? And sure, Mary, you're pregnant with God's son? Yeah, right. That's, I mean, how, how can this be? How can it happen? And, and, and this is the one that's going to rise up and overthrow the Romans, right? Sure. Come on. Uh, we're living, we're living a dream. I mean, we're living a, a nightmare right now. How can this all come about? And even they were having these conversations on the eve of Herod instigating a slaughter of firstborn males. And so, it's the kind of day, the kind of moment that Jesus is born into, that we have the nativity and, and Mary starts to have contractions. But when you add into this Christmas story, the reality that someone was about to have a baby, I mean, the baby's kicking and they're walking in and Joseph is thinking to himself, how did my life turn out like this? We're not even married. She's about to have a child. We're not at home. We're, we're not surrounded by family. The ba baby's about to be born and we have no place to go. And so they start looking around and they find a place and it's not clean and there's no one to help them. And this is Mary's first child and on and on it goes. She doesn't know how it feels. She doesn't know how it works. She doesn't understand any of what's going on. And it's a frightening moment. And what if someone found them? What if someone found them and then they weren't married? What would happen to them? Now, you can't play this down in the nativity story. You, you can't play the context of the culture. You, you can't play that down. You can't play down what was taking place in Joseph and Mary's life. And I know we sing songs like, uh, like Away in the Manger, and we kind of Imagine the cows and the sheep were gently nodding their heads uh, to the chewing of their, uh, of, the, of their food, to the song away in the manger. But Mary and Joseph were surrounded by animals and animals don't smell the best in the world. And when you go into that environment, there's animal food. And then you know what happens when, when animal food is digested and there would have been rodents and uh, Mary and Joseph, in the context of the nativity, were surrounded by all of this. I mean, this is a neat little story when you tell it to your kids, but it doesn't speak to what really is taking place at that moment. Joseph and Mary could be looking around and, and going, how did we end up like this? I mean, I didn't, I didn't imagine my life to be anything like this. 
This is not how it should have been. This is not how it should have gone. And I'm surrounded by animals and we don't even have a place to stay and our family's not even around us and this is not clean and is the baby going to be okay and is the baby going to survive and in the middle of all of this situation, in the middle of the circumstances that, that were anything but ideal, anything but what they imagined, anything that they had hoped for, it was nothing like that and into the middle of this calamity and chaos comes the word, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So how do we make Christmas a sacred time? Maybe right now you're heading into Christmas this week and you're thinking that the circumstances in your life aren't anything but ideal. I mean, it's not what you expected. It's not what you were thinking. Um, you have COVID, uh, you got a report of cancer, uh, you got a health report that wasn't a good report, and and you're thinking to yourself during this Advent season, this is not how it's supposed to be. It's not how I planned it. It's not what life um, has brought to me. This is not how you wanted it to go. Something in your relationships, something, something uh, perhaps happened this last year and you're heading into Christmas thinking, man, this is not what I wanted. Maybe something happened in your job or with your finances and um, you're thinking that the circumstances of your life and your journey are just not what you thought it would be, that it's nothing uh, even close to ideal. And maybe you're thinking that this is not the Christmas that you wanted. Health challenges, financial challenges, relational challenges, I mean, all kinds of things. But I just wanna encourage you today, at Christmas time, during this Advent season, there's one thing that is absolutely true, that at the Christmas season, God showed up. And when our circumstances aren't ideal, when things are not going the way we wanted them to go, when they're not working out like they hope, when this is not what I imagine, God shows up. In the midst of all of this, there's one thing that's for sure, God always shows up. And maybe in your life, the circumstances are okay and you're balancing them, but it's not uh, where you want it to be. And maybe, maybe in your journey, everything's okay, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking about your future and will it be okay? And will it be what you expect it to be? I just want you to understand this. As a follower of Jesus Christ, with all of your heart, I want to encourage you to make Christmas the most sacred of seasons. You want it to resonate in your heart. You want it to resonate in your mind. But understand this one thing, this one truth today. As you think about this week, as we move into Christmas on Friday, I want you to understand today, I promise you, that God will show up. And when God shows up, it's always a sacred moment. It's always a sacred time. And so this is what I wanna do.
I want to leave you some scriptural reminders today of God showing up, and not just in this Christmas story, but in your story, in his story. His story is history. It's his story. I want to remind you of some passages of scripture that just take you into this Advent season, right into Christmas, recognizing that, oh yes, God has shown up. God has delivered. God has shown up to bring about peace in the midst of chaos. And I want you to understand this. And so what I want to do is I just want to reread Isaiah chapter 6 and a couple other passages of scriptures, reminding you how God shows up in your journey and in your life. And I'm going to remind you too, when God shows up in your life, would you build an altar and tether yourself to that altar all through my life? I have built altar after altar after altar where God has shown up, shown off, and shown out in my life that I'm tethered to, that I'm reminded that God is a God who never walks out. He always walks in when others walk away and he stays with you. And so listen to these words as we move into this Christmas week. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. John chapter 1 verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and full of truth. Like the rest, by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God rich in his mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgression, it is by grace you have been saved. Ephesians chapter two, three and five. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son for as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. First John chapter four, nine and 10. And then be reminded of this, no because God has shown up in your life, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present or future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Friends, today, man, we're in the week of Christmas. And I just want to remind you that God has shown up. He's shown off and he's shown out in your life. And recognize that. And when we recognize that, we make this season the most sacred of seasons as we celebrate God loving us so much that he would empty heaven, empty all of heaven, in order that we might have life and we might have redemption. Jesus, thank you so much for your presence in our lives. Thank you that you speak to us. Jesus, today, 
Just, just speak to us. Ask us the questions. Who do you say that I am? Ask us the question, do you understand what I've done for you? Ask us the question, are you listening? Because your words bring life. Ask us the question today, Jesus, do you love me? If so, feed my sheep. And ask us the question, do you believe? Jesus, as you ask those questions to us, as your eyes pierce our eyes into our heart, Jesus, we wanna respond. We wanna to respond to you. We wanna to talk to you throughout this day. We wanna pray continually your presence in our heart and in our life. So we bless your name and we thank you today for all you're doing in Christ's name. God bless you, you're loved. Bye-bye.